Do you remember this one from Easter 2020? Even though our churches are empty this Easter, we still can celebrate because the tomb is empty too. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. We pray with me, please. Gracious Father in heaven, this Easter Sunday, we are so grateful for this gathering for worship to remember the resurrection of our Lord. We are thankful for your grace and goodness to us and for your protection and provision for your people over the course of this past year. We pray that by your Holy Spirit, that we never would take your presence or your peace for our lives for granted. Lord, every day is a gift from you. Please empower and equip us this Easter Sunday by that same Spirit to receive him who comes to us in the name of the Lord. Jesus Christ, your Son, our risen Savior, in whose name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. What kind of king is this? He has no standing army. His followers number 12, sometimes 70. But usually he goes around with the same band of believers from place to place and crowds kind of seem to gather wherever he goes to receive his message, perhaps to receive some sort of ministry from Jesus. And after he's ministered to the people, his message is one of peace without war. Victory through surrender and a kingdom not of this world. Confusing at best, perhaps a bit delusional, wouldn't you say? After all, what kind of king has a kingdom like that? If he's a conqueror, where is his army? If he is truly a king of all kings, then where is his kingdom on earth? Where is his domain? What kind of king is this? He has no financial wealth of which to speak. No land to call his own, to work, manage, or to lease out to others. No animals to provide for himself or his family or to sell at the market. He doesn't even have a home. He doesn't have a place to lay his head sometimes, we're told. He does not have any earthly inheritance of which to speak that would give him security, supposedly for his family. And also, he has no prominent inheritance to receive to, that would give him some sort of a name in the midst of the community. No social standing of which to speak. What kind of king is this? Speaking of family, we know his father, Joseph, the carpenter from Nazareth. Not much to report there. We also have heard from his mother and her claims of how Jesus was conceived and born. Jesus' brothers and sisters don't seem convinced overwhelmingly, however. And since Jesus never married, he doesn't have any children. Where will all this legacy go? What will Jesus pass on to the next generation if he's supposed to be a king? What kind of king goes where Jesus goes, does what Jesus does, speaks how Jesus speaks, and leads how Jesus leads? This is a different kind of king from beginning to end. First this morning, for our consideration, Jesus is a different kind of king from the very beginning. Not born in a palace, the product of a royal line necessarily, as we would count it, but born of humble beginnings. 
Much like Moses back in the book of Exodus, he was born from humble beginnings and then whisked away for his own safety so that those in power could not bring his life to an end and continue their reign of oppression, tyranny, arrogance, and paranoia. Where do Joseph and Mary take Jesus? To Egypt of all places, the very place where Moses was trying to lead the people away. And why? Because King Herod was in power at that time. Having heard about this baby born in Bethlehem and paranoid that he would one day take over as the king of the Jews, Herod gave out the order. And so Mary and Joseph had to go somewhere else for Jesus' protection. There can be only one king in the land. There can be only one king in the land. I wonder about the land of your life here this morning. I wonder about the throne of your heart on this Easter Sunday, 2021. What kind of king resides on that throne this Easter? Is it a king of comfort and security, self-reliance and self-sufficiency, financial wealth and stability, personal pride and satisfaction, achievement at work, or achievement at home through the success of my children in academics or athletics or the legacy of a family name. In his most famous sermon of all time, Jesus would preach, wherever your treasure is, there is your heart also. No one can serve two masters. You will love one and hate the other. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Do not worry about tomorrow. Today's troubles are enough for today. In his teaching, Jesus implores us to position himself in the proper place in our lives. And we pray this morning, Holy Spirit, help us by your presence and power to place Jesus on the throne of our hearts, minds, and lives so that we might receive his grace and pursue the things of God even in this life. Number two, Jesus is a different kind of king in the middle of his ministry. Not spending time with dignitaries or exchanging pleasantries and platitudes with the cultural elite. Not meeting with his top advisors in some strategy session to figure out the boundaries of his kingdom and perhaps expand those boundaries by a military conquest. Instead, this king chooses to spend his time, his energy, and his divine resources with two primary groups. First, the disciples. We know the 12. We're familiar with them. Jesus teaches with them, travels with them, and he also models what life is like in the kingdom of God for them. And on the night when he would later go into the Garden of Gethsemane to pray, on the night when he would later be betrayed by Judas, one of the 12, on the night when he would institute the Lord's Supper with his disciples. On that night, Jesus gets up from that Passover table, takes off his robe, wraps a towel around his waist, and then fills a basin with water. And one by one, Jesus would stoop down and wash his disciples' feet. Jesus would say to his friends, his followers, now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. I've given you an example to follow. Do as I have done for you. 
I wonder about the disposition of your heart towards serving others this morning. Are you looking to serve the needs of those around you in your family? Are you looking to serve the needs of your spouse? Are you waiting for your spouse to serve you? Children, are you contributing to family life? Helping out with chores around the house or yard or the farm and land? Or are you just taking care of that which is your own? Colleagues, co-workers, do you serve your supervisors with a positive attitude and a humble spirit? Or do you undermine their authority, trying to fly under the radar so you don't get any further projects or assignments? Are you looking for ways to serve the least of these among us? Or are you assuming that others better positioned than yourself with more time on their hands are taking care of their needs? What is the disposition of your heart toward helping the least of these? Speaking of the least of these, that exactly is the other group with whom Jesus spends a lot of his time. Lepers and the lame, the demon-possessed and the disenfranchised, women and children, Samaritans and sinners, all groups who were once considered lower class to the religious elite of Jesus' day. Those are the very people with whom this king is choosing to spend his precious time. Imagine if our congregation modeled itself after Jesus' approach to ministry. How different would we be? What kind of impact would we have on the communities surrounding us? Holy Spirit, come into our lives in ministry and help us to follow in the footsteps of Jesus Christ, embracing his servant heart and adopting his humble spirit. Number three, Jesus is a different kind of king even near the end. Not campaigning for coronation to mark the end of his earthly ministry or celebrating the Passover with his pals in some grand fashion. Not positioning his platform to promote himself over the other self-proclaimed messiahs of his day or even silencing his religious opponents by force so that there would be no opposition to his message. Instead, Jesus takes an entirely different route to his throne. Not the way of the crown but the way of the cross. Not a coronation meant for a king, but suffering meant for a misunderstood Messiah. A clenched fist meant for the jaw of an unruly rioter. A whip against the back of a common thief. Bruisings and beatings and smit and saliva. And then a crown of thorns pressed upon the brow of this king of the Jews, meant to mock him and ridicule him politically, spiritually, and personally. And then the nails, those nails pounded in his flesh that would secure him to that instrument, that cross, that wooden beam that was meant for execution and torture, pain, and death until literally every cell in Jesus' body suffocates as he gives up his spirit to his heavenly father. This is a different kind of king. And his is a different kind of kingdom. 
Thanks be to God that Jesus' humble obedience to his heavenly Father and his steadfast love for all humanity motivated him to make the sacrifice that was necessary to save us from our sins and then rose again triumphant from the grave so that we could be a part of his kingdom forever. Because truth be told, we needed Jesus to be a different kind of king. And truth be told, we still need Jesus to be a different kind of king. To teach us a better way when it comes to living and loving and relating with one another. To show us a different way as we show sacrificial love to those whom we love and lay down our life for our friends. And as we show sacrificial love to those whom we loathe and maybe don't get along with so well. To give his life for us on a cross and to come back to life again so that we would have faith, forgiveness, and freedom forever as his people. Jesus is our King of kings and Lord of lords, and he is worthy of our thanks and praise on this day as we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord. And friends, because Jesus is risen from the dead, because Jesus is ascended to the right hand of the Father, because Jesus is awaiting his return as King of kings and Lord of lords, he has victory over sin and death and Satan. And that victory is yours this Easter Sunday, 2021. Victory over every temptation that comes your way. Victory over every evil influence in your life. Victory over your personal sins and the selfishness with which you struggle. Victory over your pain and problems that continue to persist. Victory over sin, death, and Satan forever. Where, O oh, death, is your sting? Where, O oh, grave, is your victory? The sting of sin is death, and the law gives sin its power. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Victory over sin, victory over death, victory over Satan. Even victory over COVID-19, mask wearing, socially distancing, virtual learning, Zoom watching and meeting, loss of revenue, loss of job, loss of meaning and purpose, loss of identity in life, loss of a year. Jesus has given us victory even here and now. And how did he do it? Well, when they entered the tomb, the angel said to them, don't be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He is not here. He is risen from the dead. Now, go and tell others. Go and show others. Go and share with others the victory that is yours through your Lord and risen Savior, Jesus Christ. For Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Amen.